behind the back, wrap around, and climbing the ladder is Dante Hall. Sexton. Step back. Good! Patty at three. Oh, he's a flamethrower! What a shot! 6-3. It's good! It's good! It's good! Colin Sexton made the floater! They'll review it! But oh mercy! Colin Sexton may have saved the season! Tigers set to trigger it in. Smart gets it into Watford. Threw it away! He'll run it down in the backcourt. He will take it to the top of the arc. Watford three at the buzzer blocked by Herb. The putback, no! The buzzer sounds! And Bama hangs on! Oh my goodness! What is good, everyone? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Double Dribble Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Harper, head basketball analyst of Tide Illustrated, Alabama's affiliate of the Rivals Network. And I am recording the NCAA tournament preview episode. Now, we'll kind of break down some of the, or the games that Alabama played and won in the SEC tournament, but this this episode is dedicated to filling out the bracket, breaking down Alabama's draw, kind of going by future opponents, seeing how Alabama fares in upcoming games. And let me just tell you, this is probably one of the most exciting times to ever be an Alabama basketball fan, young or old. There is nothing better than Alabama being the number one overall seed in the NCAA tournament. It's never happened. Alabama's never been a one seed, period. But being the number one overall seed is something special because that is something that shows that you have, are the best team in the country and have pretty much been the best team throughout the season. Now, we'll kind of break down the bracket. Like I said, we'll kind of go over – um, Alabama's draw, which I feel is very favorable, and kind of go game by game um, on potential opponents coming up. But first, I'd like to just kind of highlight Alabama's Alabama's um, path to winning the SEC championship with or SEC tournament championship, which was pretty much a domination in every game. The only close game that they really had throughout would be Missouri. And that was just because Alabama couldn't hit anything. And Missouri really got kept it close, took the lead for a little bit in the sec, early in the second half, but Alabama ended up taking control. But the first game, Alabama won 72-49 to over Mississippi State, and it was never close. Alabama never trailed this game. They came out hot. They came out on a 7-0 run. Um, Javon Quinterly hit a three and just really attacked the paint. Um, attacked the paint a lot in this game. And while Alabama shot the ball fairly well, they, they went through some hot and cold stretches to where they couldn't miss, and then there was a couple stretches where they just couldn't hit. Um, but in the game, Mississippi State just couldn't hit at all. They couldn't hit anything around the rim which is their bread and butter as they're the worst at their three-point shooting team in the country. And they finished 1-13, of 13, which is on brand. But Mississippi State couldn't hit anything 
in the paint. They have finished 17 of 45. I mean, that's less than 40%. And Alabama has the best two-point defense in the country. But Mississippi State, with the size they have, they should never finish that low. But I'll give credit to Alabama's defense. Charles Bidiaco had a great game, had five blocks. Noah Clowney affected some shots down there. Um, and, you know, Nick Pringle did as well. So you have to give credit um, to Alabama's defense specifically. Um, Alabama only scored 72 points this game, and, you know, that's well below their average. But Mississippi State is obviously a very good defense, have given Alabama fits this season. Um, and nobody really stood out on the offensive end except for Brandon Miller scoring 18 points on 6 of 14 shooting. Mark Sears with an abysmal 1-for-10 performance, scoring three points. Um, but Javon Quinterly was kind of the, the anchor along with Miller, finishing four of nine. And I thought Noah Gurley played a great game, hitting three threes off the bench, um, really putting that game away, you know, late. But Brandon Miller with 18 points, nine rebounds, five assists. He really did it all this game. And while Tolo Smith went nine of ten from the free throw line, which you, you kind of figured that would happen after his five for 13 performance, um, in a previous game uh, against Alabama, but hit nine of 10 outside of that. He only hit four field goals. Um, I believe the game before that, where they went to overtime really taxed him and he, re- he couldn't play a whole lot just because he was gassed and he had three fouls. Um, but Alabama ran away with this, um, built a 20 point lead at halftime, coasted the rest of the way, um, to a 23 point win. Now, Alabama's next opponent was a pretty tough one throughout. They ended up defeating number 25, Missouri, 72-61. to It was a two-point game at the half, and Alabama kind of opened it up late um, to where, you know, they could really stretch it out. Um, they they trailed for the first time when it um, since, you know, early in the first half, I believe about 15-50 left in the first half. Um, they ended up trailing at the beginning of the second half all the way up until, you know, they trailed for the first five or six minutes of the half. And then once Alabama got the lead with about 12 minutes or 13 minutes to go, they held on to the lead. Um, they really kept it within, you know, 9, 10, 11, 12 points the rest of the way. And Alabama couldn't shoot the ball well at all. There was no secret that game to where they, they couldn't. They shot 8 of 27 from 3. Um, but they ended up shooting 50% overall, 20 of 30 from inside the paint. They just could not stop Noah Clowney inside the paint. Went 7 of 11. Brandon Miller went 8 of 11 to, um, overall, 5 for 5 in the paint area, which is on brand for Brandon as well. Um, typically um, in the past or early in the game or early in the season, I should say, he was having trouble scoring scoring at the rim, but he's been elite percentage-wise at the rim the past two months, and he finished five for five this game. Finished with 20 and 12, and 12 rebounds, four assists. Um, he's really done it all on um, this tournament. And while Mark Sears and Javon Quinterly combined for two of 19 from the field, one for 13 from three, Alabama still came out to beat, you know, a top seven seed ultimately in the NCAA tournament by 11. 
Noah Clowney had 19 points. Brandon Miller had 20. Charles Vidiaco had 10. And it was really balanced scoring effort um, overall for Alabama. Scored 72 points again, below their average, but Missouri is also a, a pretty good defensive team. Will turn you over a lot. Alabama turned it over 17 times to Missouri's five. That, that's a very odd turnover discrepancy um, for a team that won by double digits. But when you're plus 16 in the rebound category, then you're going to you're going to have multiple second chance opportunities. And Alabama also had 18 assists on 28 made bas- made field goals. Now, in the championship game, Alabama had a chance to avenge one of their five losses on the season against Texas A&M, and boy, did they. It wasn't really ever close. I don't think it ever got within seven um, after, you know, the start of the game when they ended up going up 16-7 to after a three by Brandon Miller where Texas A&M called a timeout. I don't think it ever got within seven after that, maybe maybe one time shortly um, after that timeout. But it was – Alabama had it well in hand and really blew, blew it open um, with about seven minutes left. Back-to-back threes by Brandon Miller, a thunderous dunk that took Coleman North um, and Bridgestone Arena into a frenzy but Alabama ended up winning 82 to 63. It was a great performance. You saw them locked in. They had revenge on their mind and they took care of business. Now Alabama only shot at 40%. They they did make 12 threes out of 36 attempts for about right around their average 33% from from 3 um 15 of 30 from from 2, so right around 50%. Didn't shoot well from the line, 16 of 22. But this was the Javon Quinterly game. Javon Quinterly went 8 of 14, 4 of 8 from 3, scored 22 points. He shines in the biggest moments in the biggest games of the season. He had 22. Brandon Miller had 23. And Charles Bidiaco had a great game as well. 12 points, 13 rebounds, 5 blocks on 6 of 9 shooting. And he was a force down low where Texas A&M really didn't have anybody. Um, He really got Julius Marble in foul trouble. Henry Coleman couldn't get anything going, finished one for five with two points and had three turnovers. So Alabama wins 82-63 to win their second SEC championship or SEC tournament championship in the past three years to go along with their second regular season championship in the past three years as well. And they go in during Selection Sunday pretty much locked into the number one overall seed where they did end up getting, in the South, number one overall seed, first time in program history after they won their 29th game, which was the most in program history as well. They'll have a chance to break the 30 mark in their first-round game against Texas A&M Corpus Christi. So let's break down the NCAA tournament bracket now that we got the SEC tournament out of the way. Obvi- or let me go back. Obviously, Brandon Miller won most outstanding player, um, scoring 20-plus points, averaging nearly a double-double um, in the tournament. It's truly outstanding. Charles Bidiaco was on the tournament team. 
Brandon Miller, and Brandon Miller ultimately was named AP All-American as well. So first-team All-American, I should say. AP first-team All-American, first time in Alabama program history. I mean, Brandon Miller is the best Alabama basketball player in program history and has a chance to make even more history to become the all-time leading three-point shooter who makes 11 more threes. And if he averages 20 points a game all the way to, I believe, the lead eight or the final four, he'll be the all-time leading scorer in a single season in Alabama program history. Just truly amazing what Brandon Miller has done in one season at the University of Alabama, and his season's not done. So let's kind of go through the bracket. In the South region, Alabama against Texas A&M, Corpus, Corpus Christi, Obviously, Alabama's going to win that game. But what everybody is intrigued by is the second game, the 8-9 game that would face Alabama, would be Maryland and West Virginia. And I'm going to kind of just give you my picks, who I think is going to win. You know, I have some analysis on it, you know, looking at some analytical things. But I'm just going to kind of run through each game, give you my picks, and go all the way to the national championship. And if you want to go with it, I'll be it but I would probably pick the opposite based on my betting luck that I typically have. But Maryland-West Virginia is going to be Alabama's um, next opponent, one of the two. I have West Virginia winning. I just feel like the Big Ten is fraudulent as well as the ACC. I'm kind of going away from them. Um, But I like West Virginia's toughness. Now, when Alabama faces West Virginia, it could be a little bit of a challenge, um, taking a little bit of adjustment. Um, but I feel like facing Texas A&M and Tennessee and Mississippi State will really get them prepared from West Virginia and they'll be ready. Um, but kind of looking at Alabama's side of the bracket in the South, you got Arizona as the two seed. You have a streaky Baylor as the three, Creighton as a six, who I think is very underseeded. I, I mean, I thought they could be closer to a four or a five. But as a six, that's a tough second-round matchup for uh, Baylor, potentially. Virginia at the four and San Diego State at the five. Now, that's about the best draw that Alabama could have got out of the four-five matchup um, outside of maybe Indiana, Miami uh, for Houston. But Virginia and San Diego State are both two teams that struggle to score. They defend their tails off, one of the, each one of the best defensive teams in the country but they struggle to score badly. And it could be Alabama, if they get to 60, they'll win. But having San Diego State and Virginia are great, is a great draw for the potential um, Sweet 16 matchup. Now, I have West Virginia beating Maryland, San Diego State getting by um, Charleston. I actually have Furman beating Virginia. I think Furman's offense – is going to give Virginia some fits on some of the things they run. A lot of cuts. They're going to make Virginia work, and they're a good three-point shooting team, averaging 80 points a game. I think that Virginia, who can fall behind or is susceptible to falling behind and not being able to get dig themselves out of a hole, I think that's going to happen to Virginia against Furman. I think Furman's ultimately going to win. I have Creighton over NC State, the 6-11 matchup. 
And then I have Baylor over UC Santa Barbara in this in the three fourteen as well. So it sets up a matchup of Creighton and Baylor in the round of thirty two, where I have Creighton end up beating Baylor. I just don't think Baylor can defend well enough to stop Creighton's high-powered offense. And Baylor, while they can get streaky from the three and guys like Keontae George and Flagler, they can get hot. I just don't think their defense is going to be well enough to cover a bad shooting night if they have one. Now, down at the very bottom of the bracket, you got – I have Utah State 10 seed defeating 7 seed Missouri – it's nothing against Missouri. I think Missouri's a great team. It's just I'm a big fan of Utah State, and I really love the Mountain West as well. Um, and then Arizona over Princeton, where I have Arizona beating Utah State in the in the round of 32, and I have San Diego State beating Furman. So it sets up an Alabama against San Diego State matchup in the Sweet 16, where I have Alabama winning. I just don't think San Diego State can score to keep up with Alabama. And then I have Creighton upsetting Arizona in the Sweet 16. I just do not believe in the Pac-12. They got three teams in, USC, Arizona, and UCLA. And I just don't think that they're an overall good conference. And Arizona, while they're everybody's darlings when the tournament starts, and they always end up disappointing. So I think Creighton, who is a better team, better team than Arizona, in my opinion, will beat um, – well, Creighton will beat Arizona. And then I have Alabama defeating their arch nemesis, Creighton, to go to the Final Four. So going over to the Midwest bracket of Houston, got Houston beating Northern Kentucky. I have Iowa, the eight, beating the nine, Auburn. No bias there. Um, I just think Iowa's offense will end up um, pushing past Auburn. Very good three-point shooting team. Auburn's three-point defense will be a test for them, but I think I will end up winning in what will basically be a home game for Auburn and Birmingham. I have Drake beating Miami, and I have Kent State beating Indiana. The 12-seed Drake over 5-seed Miami, and 13-seed Kent State over 4-seed Indiana. This is where my bracket kind of gets weird. I think Drake is a very, very good mid-major, and I think Kent State is really, really good. And while Miami and Indiana are decent, I'm just not big on the Big Ten and ACC. And you'll see that in my bracket. I'm just not big on them. While the Big Ten got the most teams in, I don't see any high-quality team outside of maybe Purdue. And you might be surprised with my pick with Purdue here shortly. But I have Kent State and Drake moving on um, to the round of 32. I have Houston beating Iowa. And then I have Kent State going on to meet Houston in the Sweet 16. Drake and Kent State will be a very fun mid-major matchup to watch. And I hope it happens. I hope it does. I have the six-seed Iowa State beating the winner of Mississippi State and Pittsburgh. And then I have Xavier beating Kennesaw State, the three and the 14, with Xavier beating Iowa State to go to the Sweet 16. And then I have Texas beating Colgate, the two and the 15. Then I have 7 seed AM beating the 10 seed Penn State, where it sets up a big time Texas matchup between Texas and Texas AM, which I think the bracket makers wanted, where I think Texas will end up beating AM. Now I think Houston will beat Kent State once it gets to the Sweet 16. And I think Texas will beat Xavier, the two and the three. 
And I have Texas beating Houston in another Texas bat- matchup to go to the Final Four. So right now I have Alabama and Texas in the Final Four. Now going down to the East, I have Purdue beating the winner of Texas Southern um, and FDU. And then I have Memphis beating Florida Atlantic. That's going to be a probably the best 8-9 matchup in my opinion, rivaling Arkansas-Illinois. But I have Memphis beating FAU, and I have Memphis upsetting number one seed Purdue in the second round. I think Kendrick Davis, DeAndre Williams are going to be too much for Purdue. It's going to pull Zach Eady out of the paint, make him guard the perimeter. And Memphis, I think, could win this by double digits. I'm just not a big fan of Purdue. Duke, Oral Roberts, this could be this is this could be end up being Duke's toughest game is the first one. Remember when they lost a Lehigh two seed versus a 15? This is a 5-12. Oral Roberts is no joke. They have a lot of seniors on the team. They made a deep run um, recently, but I think Duke ends up beating Oral Roberts. And I actually have Louisiana beating Tennessee at the four or four thirteen. I'm surprised Tennessee was a four after Zakai Ziegler got hurt. But I could see Louisiana with their dominant big man beating Tennessee to set up a matchup between Duke and Louisiana, where I have Duke moving on to the Sweet 16. Now the 6-11, Kentucky and Providence. I have Kentucky beating Providence in the return of the Bryce Hopkins game, transfer from Kentucky going to Providence. And then I have Kansas State beating Montana State, which should be a, a, a route. And then I have Kentucky beating Kansas State, six seed Kentucky going to the Sweet 16 once again. Um, that should be a fascinating game as well. Michigan, USC, I think Michigan State will probably win this by double digits. I'm a big fan of Tyson Walker and just love Michigan State's uh, roster. And again, not big on the Pac-12. And then Marquette, I think, is going to beat Vermont very handily. Marquette's probably one of my favorite teams in the tournament. Really good two seed. And I have Marquette beating Michigan State in the round of 32. Now I have Duke beating Memphis to go to the Elite Eight. And I have Marquette beating Kentucky to go to the Elite Eight, where I have Marquette beating Duke. Now, I have a Duke future bet that I made back in June when they were 25-1. to 1. So I hope Duke ends up winning. But I think Marquette will end up pulling this one out to set up a matchup with Alabama in the Final Four. Now, on the final bracket side of the bracket, we go to the West where Kansas will beat Howard, the 116. And then I have Arkansas beating Illinois. That's a toss-up game to me. I mean, you can pick it, and they'll probably be wrong regardless. But I have Arkansas make going to meet Kansas, which will be a fascinating game where I think just Kansas has too much firepower and Arkansas is too inconsistent to be able to pull off the big upset. Now I have BCU, the 12, beating five-seed St. Mary's. I'm not big on St. Mary's. They're not the typical St. Mary's team of past. Um, and I also have UConn, the four-seed, beating the 13-seed Iona. Now, that's going to be an interesting coaching matchup between Dan Hurley and Rick Pitino. And that is going to be a fun game for the watch on the sidelines, but I have UConn winning. Um, I'm a big UConn fan. Um, I'm a big fan of this team ever since <laughs> UConn destroyed Alabama back in November. 
I have TCU beating the winner of Arizona State Nevada. I don't think that would be a very close game. Um, and I have Gonzaga beating Grand Canyon, which won't be close. Where I have Gonzaga beating TCU. Um, I really like Gonzaga, and right now they're playing really good ball, even though they haven't really faced anybody since January. I just see that their team is starting to really gel and be the team that everybody thought they would be. Now, the 10th seed, I have Boise State beating a 7 Northwestern. I'm a big fan of the Mountain West. I have all three advancing, uh, Boise State, Utah State, and San Diego State. And then I have UCLA beating UNC Asheville, where I have UCLA getting past Boise State to go to the Sweet 16. Now, here I have UConn upsetting Kansas, the one seed, to go on to the Elite Eight. And I have Gonzaga topping UCLA. I just don't see – UCLA had a pretty easy road to get here. But this is where I think they, they meet their match against Gonzaga. I think Gonzaga will probably run them out of the building due to losing Jalen Clark, um, their top defender and second-best player, to an injury. Unfortunate. Um, but I think Gonzaga just has too many weapons for UCLA to keep up with. And here I have UConn beating Gonzaga to go to the Final Four. So my final four is ultimately Alabama and Marquette and then Texas against UConn. I think that would be a fun final four just because it's four teams that haven't won. I mean, I haven't really done my research on how many final fours these teams have had. I know UConn's won a couple championships. Texas and Marquette, I'm not even sure. And I know Alabama has it. So it'll be a fun matchup between teams that are not familiar outside of UConn of going to the Final Four. Now I have Alabama beating Marquette, which would be a phenomenal, phenomenal matchup that I'd love to see. Nate Oates and Shaka Smart going at it. High-powered offenses, capable defenses. Alabama has an elite defense, by the way, and that's why I think they would win that game. And then Texas and UConn, I actually have Texas coming out of it. Texas's guards are just so physical and good, and they have a good enough front line to be able to compete with Sonogo. And then Alabama-Texas, just like the national championship game of football in 09, where I have Alabama winning if Colt McCoy didn't get hurt no longer. I have Alabama winning 75-71 to 71 in my prediction score. Now, I hope this all comes to fruition. I hope Alabama doesn't throw up a stinker in the round of 32 or um, even the Sweet 16. I think this team has a Elite Eight floor with a national championship ceiling, obviously. It's going to come down to can they make shots? Because you know they're going to defend night in and night out. But can they make enough shots? If their threes are on, they're about unbeatable. If they're not on, they're going to have to rely on guys like Noah Clowney, Charles Bidiaco, and then Brandon Miller getting to the hole because they're going to cut off the driving lanes. They're going to back up and dare them to shoot if they're in a funk, and they're going to make them make tough twos. So I think Alabama will end up winning the national championship, and it's going to be – I mean, I think they have a fairly easy road up until about the uh, the Elite Eight, but when you once you get to the Elite Eight – its its name speaks for itself. You're going to be facing the elite teams. 
So I have Alabama win the national championship. I think it's going to be a phenomenal tournament. I have several upsets, um, high seed upset or low seed upsets um, in the first round. That's what everybody looks for. I don't have as many as I normally do. I have a few 12s and 13s. Um, but outside of that, I think it could be a pretty chalky tournament with great basketball. Just because it's chalky doesn't mean it's not a great tournament. Everybody loves the upsets. But I look for quality basketball, quality games, and I think there, there's some phenomenal matchups out there, first and potential second round. Now, that's all I have um, for this episode. I appreciate you listening, and please stay tuned um, for future episodes. I will record again after the first weekend, win or lose by Alabama. If they lose, it'll be the last episode of the season, and I don't want that to happen. But if they win, I will recap the first and second round games, kind of recap some of the storylines of the tournament so far. Um, and I look forward to that episode because, you know, I don't take these for granted to where I'm able to, one, be able to record, but two, be able to record during an NCAA tournament to where Alabama can make a deep run. So stay tuned for the next episode, probably, you know, Monday or Tuesday of next week. And for updates on the NCAA tournament. So thank you for listening to the Double Dribble Podcast. I am your host, Jordan Harper. Until next time, adios.